401k balance. Do you have enough? How do you measure up with your peers? Man, do we have answers for you today. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Nailed it. I thought you did awesome. Uh, yeah, so today's show, we're going to be it's talking about... It's almost like I'm a professional it's broadcaster. Like, it's like you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> and Brian Preston's heard the answers. are going on two decades right now doing this. Oh, man. So here's the thing. I'm excited about this show. Um, by the way, this is number two out of the three shows we're recording on a marathon recording day. And you guys know when we create content, we like to create content that feels actionable, that you know what's going to happen. But there's a difference. Sometimes we come up against content that the advice you want to give a 20-year-old is completely different than the advice you want to give for a 50-year-old. That's right. So we've come up with this series of what you should have at each age or benchmark of your life. And you've seen it. We've done what your net worth should be, what your habits should be by age, what your mistakes could be. We've done what your debt could be. So this thing, so I like to think this is a money guy echo that is now coming about um, in the personal finance world. And this is, I saw an article and I sent it out to the team here. And the tar, it was an article that was actually an Investopedia on what average 401k balances are by age. And the reason I think that that's such a, such a valuable uh, thing for us to cover, Brian, is all the time we have uh, potential clients who reach out to us. And whenever we have someone young, and yeah. I mean young, they're not at financial independence. They're not at the decumulation phase of their life. There's always two questions that they want to know. Uh, where am I? Yeah. Am I ahead of the curve? Am I behind the curve? Am I on the curve? Do I not even know what the curve is. And where am I headed? If I'm in the right or wrong place, am I moving towards the place that I want to be? Well, you kind of have to know where everyone else is and where you should be before you can assess, am I on track where I'm supposed to be? And we're going to cover all that. And then I even have some cool findings. Because here's the other thing I thought was interesting. A lot of this data, when I found the Investopedia article, I realized that Fidelity had re- released a research report that a lot of people piled on. We had NerdWallet got in on it. Bankrate got in mm-hmm. on it. And then, of course, we have the, the actual findings from the Fidelity research piece. It really gave a lot of data. It's going to let us dive into the age stuff. But I wanted to share some other inf- interesting information. The fact that, realize, we are 10 years removed from the Great Recession. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, we are over 10 years from the bottom of the market back so in March of 2009. So if you reflect upon it, and, and Fidelity did that, and why is Fidelity a great kind of steward of the data for 401ks? The reason is because they are the largest 401k provider in the United States. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, if you work for a Fortune 500 con- uh, company, you probably have a Fidelity 401k. Yeah, a we have a lot of clients come to us that have Fidelity 401ks. And we've seen what what they have to offer. So it's great that they have all this data that they're able to look at. So they they did a a research piece that they added to what's going on by age where they talked about what happened, what were account balances in 2009, first quarter 2009, what are account balances now if you fast forward? Because first quarter 2009 was the bottom bottom. of the Great Recession because it was like March 6th, March 7th of 2009 was the low of low of what was going on in the sure. investment marketplace. So so here we are, first quarter of 2019. What's the compare and contrast? Mm-hmm. Of, and, and here's what I, the big takeaway for you guys that like just cut through the chase. 
Staying the course is rewarding. That's what the, that's what the fact is. I mean, we always say that, but we actually have some anecdotal case study evidence that, in fact, if you stayed the course from our last downturn, you were rewarded for that. Now realize, let me give us some perspective because I want these numbers to kind of have some depth to them so you know what's going on. 2008 was the the, the beat up year mm -hmm. that you look on statistically when you look at the year's performances, you look at 2000 and go, whoa, Ooh. what Ooh. happened? It's because the S&P 500 lost 37%, mm -hmm. but that wasn't the rest of the story. If you actually expanded that from 2007 all the way to the low of 2009, which was, like I said, in early March of 2009, the S&P actually had a period of time that was down 57%. So you heard me right. That was 57%. So it lost well over half yep. of its value. So a lot of people were probably going, so what's the rest of the story? Because if you're an accumulator, if you're a saver, a lot of you guys, when you hear this data, I want you to get like giddy. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said, Brian, the market got cut in half. It did. And you want me to get excited about that. So how do you, the way you get excited about it is realize when you're a retirement savings, 401ks, how do they fund? Mm -hmm. You fund them monthly. Uh, every every time yep. you get a paycheck, that money's going into your 401k. Every month that the S&P 500 was getting its teeth kicked in, in 2008, 2009, you were buying in a few more shares with that mm -hmm. same dollar amount, assuming you stayed the course. So it turns you into a financial mutant in the fact that volatility is your friend if you're doing dollar cost averaging, and that's exactly what 401ks did. So let me give you the rest of the story, because a lot of you guys will have plans, and you think you, you want to have it figured out. But then you have something like a 2008, 2009, and it totally throws you for a loop. And that's why I want you to know, stay with us. We will inoculate you. This is the value of a good financial advisor is that we actually help you stay the course because a lot of you guys doing it yourself, you think you got it all figured out. And then a 2008, 2009 happens, and then you're reminded of the Mike Tyson quote, which is, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> And it's true. So, true. so there's a lot of people that think they can do whatever. But here's the rest of the story. If you're it's staying the course is rewarding because for the overall 401k balances in 2009 were 52,600. So that the average 401k balance in the first quarter of 2009 across all ages was just under $53,000. And that was right after the the market mm -hmm. was at the bottom of its low of low. Sure. Fast forward to first quarter 2019, the average 401k balance now over all age groups, $297,700. So close to $298,000. Wow. So it didn't just double or triple. I mean, it went up 466% from a cumulative standpoint. So let's kind of, I think it's, it's, it's let's kind of, so it pays to stay. Mm -hmm. So now let's kind of relate this to retirement and 401ks in general because a lot of people might be tuning in and go i don't you know i have a 401k at work but i've never really paid attention to right. it so there's some other stats that fidelity shared with us um, for 2019 salary deferral limits nineteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars if you're over if you're 50 i didn't say over i didn't say like 51 if you're just 50 or over you actually have the opportunity to do what's called a six thousand catch-up contribution Government wants to encourage you to save. Now, you hate when I do this, Brian, but I always have to throw this out there because this is something a lot of people, yes, the limit for doing uh, traditional or Roth contribution to 401k is $19,000 if you're under 50. But in my best Billy Mays impersonation, I there's you. more. You actually aren't capped at $19,000. Did you know you can actually put more money into your 401k than $19,000 a year 
if your plan has specific provisions. If it has after-tax con- after tax contributions, and then by the way, guys, and we're not going to get into this this show, but this is, you might want to reach out to us. If you find out your employer offers after-tax contributions as well as in-service distributions, so juggernaut, oh my gosh, I got so excited. I think I just blew up the audience. <laughs> it is a huge savings opportunity, and the word Roth even comes to mind. That's so, exactly right. So we'll, we'll keep moving forward, and hopefully I didn't blow up the audio with, with that. But um, I want you to also remember, we want you to be saving 15 to 25% of your gross income for the future. And a good place to put it is in your retirement plan. You know, if, if, this show, if we were doing this show 50 years ago, we might have said uh, you should save 10% of your gross income. That used to be the rule of thumb, but the world has changed a little bit now. Uh, Social Security is probably going to change. Pensions aren't the things they used to be. So now our retirements are now on our shoulders. That's why we have to be doing it. And the 401k, just like you said, is one of the number one best vehicles for us to be able to build assets for our retirement. And I, I want you, because a lot of you are going, well, do I count my employer number mm-hmm. in that? I think if you make less than $100,000, yes, you can count your sure. employer. If you make more than $100,000, no, you don't get to count your employer contribution towards that 15 25%. You're like, wow, Brian, why are you so stingy? Why don't I want to get to count that? Here's the reason why. Guys, a lot of you are still going to have access to some type of Social Security. You might have some other income streams coming into you. So I'm not worried. If somebody tells me they they just need to retire with $50,000 a year, I mean, Social Security is going to probably cover half of that. Big chunk of that, yep. So you don't, it doesn't put everything on you. Once you start needing cash flow in retirement, that's $80,000, dollars $120,000. That's not coming from Social Security. That's, that's right. coming from you. So you need to kind of bone up and know that it's going to be a conservative number. That the responsibility falls on you, so you need to save as much as possible. Yep. Um, I did think it was interesting. The data from Fidelity was... of employees who are auto-enrolled don't opt out. This is a big win for employment, um, retirement, you know, opportunities at your retirement plan, at your employer. Yeah, there was a whole study done, and I can't remember if it was in... Denmark or Norway or organ donors. The organ donors. Yeah, yeah. the whole organ donors. It's amazing how powerful this whole opt-out principle is. So if you are a small business owner or if you're someone in HR who has control over how 401ks at your company are structured, automatic enrollment is great. Because sometimes if people need that little nudge and they're not going to help themselves, man, it's pretty awesome if you can if you can nudge them in that right direction because maybe, just maybe, an auto-enrollment might be the thing that gets them addicted to saving for the future. Well, I look forward 30 to 40 years in the future. I would love to know if there's a whole group of 20 and 30-year-olds that start their first job, get into these auto-enrollment mm-hmm. plans, and now they're automatic millionaires. That's crazy. Not because they're brilliant, but just because some employer had this feature set up on their 401k. Um, also, th- here's a great thing. All-time highs on both these numbers. So this is something to celebrate, and then we're going to jump into averages by age. All-time highs to celebrate was the average employer contribution rate is 4.7%. That's an all-time high for 401k plans. So, okay, you guys may not know this. Uh, when you design a 401k plan, a lot of people do what's called a safe harbor plan. And I won't go into like the details of that, but essentially it allows the employer to either do 3% or 4%, depending on the structure, it gets them out of yeah. a lot of testing and stuff. What I think is so awesome is that this is actually even higher than the required minimum. Yeah. So a lot of employers out there are generous and want to see you succeed when it comes to building assets. So here's, I found a drum roll or a hype button that we could play the horn on, is that here's the other big number. If you add that 4.7%, do you know what the average is if you combine both the employer and the employee's contribution? 
it's 13.5%. So that means the average employee is putting in 8.8% into the retirement plan. Remember I said the goal is 15 to 25. I know I should probably be scolding you guys because we didn't hit 15, but all-time high basis, this is the average American, not money guy family sure. members. That's something to kind of celebrate. That's pretty cool. Pretty awesome if stuff. If you would have asked me to guess if the average employer rate is 4.7, you know what I would have guessed the average employee rate is? Six. 4.7. I would <laughs> think they just get the match and don't do anything else. That is stinking awesome. So, so that's exciting. So there is a trend for increasing the savings. So let's kind of, I want to move forward and let's talk about number three. What is the average balance by age? And let's break this out by 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. What should you be doing in your 401k? So first, let's pick on the 20-year-olds. This is the thing. I put this in bold face. I've underlined it. I've put asterisks. This is the biggest no-brainer for being rich in the world. I mean, if you're in your 20s and you're not a millionaire by the time you're in your 60s, you have done it all wrong. And the sad thing is... The majority will still figure out how to screw this up. You said it right. Uh, it is easy to be rich in your 20s. It's so easy. It is easy to be rich in your 20s. And we squander it. We squander the opportunity. Because the most valuable resource that most of us have is time. And the earlier we can start, the earlier we can get our money working for us, the more valuable that time becomes. I said this when we were setting everything up for to record this. and Because and, I know a lot of you got you young people are like, I just don't have money, guys. Mm -hmm. Life is expensive. I just don't have it. Here's the truth of the matter. You can become rich, stinking rich, by saving hundreds of dollars in your yep. 20s. You're going to find when you're in your 40s, you can save thousands of dollars and still not be wealthy. That's right. So guys, make it happen while you're in your 20s. Because so, it, it really is a vision of heartbreak. Because uh, what do you think? Here's something. Here's a stat that I thought was really surprising. And I, I hit Matt up. You guys who, when we run the Q&A on the live shows, Matt's the guy who's, you know, gets the tumblers out. King of the tumblers, I pulled will. I pulled Matt in. I said, Matt, now he had the answer. He's smarter than me. I said, <laughs> what do you think the biggest group that's taking distributions from 401ks is, according to Fidelity's research? Well, I would have thought it had been people close to retirement who just want to use it to retire Older early. people. Yeah, older, older people. Older people that are taking money out... You know what the biggest group of people that are taking distributions from their 401k? It's 20-year-olds. It's people 20s, and they're 20 to 29-year-olds. They're the biggest group. That is the biggest vision for a heartbreak to me. And the number is 41 to 42% of 20 to 29-year-olds are cashing out their 401k. So I totally know what's going on. When mm -hmm. I see that stat, is you're probably having some type of career change sure. with your job when you're in your 20s. And instead of rolling that money into an IRA, leaving it at your current employer, if it's like at a Fidelity or mm -hmm. something like that, or even rolling it into a brand new employer, a lot of you guys are going, you know what? I'll just take the money. Yeah. Take the money and run. First time I'm able to get to it, I'm going to go ahead and grab it and go. You know why it's a disaster? Because not only do you pay income taxes on that money, you pay early withdrawal penalties. That's right. And you're robbing your future self of all that compound interest. You can't get rich if you don't have an army of dollar bills that's out there working for you guys. That's right. And I'm telling you, 95% of your future self's retirement account could be the capital compounding interest. I mean, it's really the capital gains. Yeah, it is. It's that's not exactly right. you. You only have to do, you have to put the seed in the ground 
Nobody's asking you to make the apples. You just got to put the seed in the ground and the, and the money will do the rest of it. I love so it. So it's a vision for heartbreak. And that leads me to kind of explain the 88 times over. Because mm-hmm. I've done this before. It's a broken record, but I think it's important. 88 times over explained is, is that 20-year-olds, this is the stuff that got me into this profession. I want you to realize when you're 20 years old, if you just get the performance of the market, the S&P 500, I'm not trying to get anything crazy here. We're not leveraging it. We're not putting in private investments. We're buying the S&P 500, which are the 500 largest companies of the United States. You've recognized all these companies. If you did that and let your money just grow, $1 has the potential to turn into $88 by the time you're 65 years of age. That's right. You put in a dollar, $87 of, of capital gains, and then it's going to an income, dividends. We can yep. have some dividends in there. It's going to turn into $88. Right. That's incredible. All you had to do was let that money grow for 45 years and earn what the S&P 500 would earn, which is around 10% a year. Yep. So think about it. That's, that's pretty incredible. So let's put that in real terms of what that means for you. If you're a person who's 20 years old, let's just say you can start saving $200 a month. That seems reasonable, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, what's that, 50 bucks a month? You can, I mean, 50 bucks a week? Come yeah. on, 50 bucks a week and you could do it. So $200 a month growing with the market at 10%. By the time you retire, it's going to be worth close to $2.1 million. So you're not just a millionaire. You're a millionaire two times over. This didn't have you having any additional pay raises, no bonuses, no better saving, no catch-ups, no lottery winnings, nothing. Just simply 200 bucks a month from now until you get to 65. Power of 88 times over. So what you're getting so excited about this. You're saying, what if I could do $500 a month? $500 a month turns into $5.2 million. It, it's, it starts getting kind of hard to screw up financial independence when you got $5 million. Bucks. Everybody who's in their 20s ought to be rich. Yep. So a lot of you are like, I'm not 20. I didn't even get out of college when I was 20. Okay, 25-year-olds. If you save $200 a month when you're 25, you'll have $1.2, close to $1.3 million by the time you reach 65. Still a millionaire. If you put $500 a month, you're going to have 3.1, close to three points, three million one hundred sixty-two thousand dollars by the time you retire. Three Guys, million that's a pretty good retirement unbelievable. from doing $500 a month and you started when you're 25 years old. And here's the other thing I think is awesome that Fidelity shared. 68.9% of employers now offer Roth as an option. Yeah, but Brian, that's no good because I'm a young person and I'm doing pretty well and I have a pretty high income, so I can't do the Roth, so that doesn't apply to me. No, young people, guys, tax-free growth. Think about that 88 times growth with tax-free growth, meaning you put a dollar in, turns into 88, you never pay tax on that $87. That is going to be powerful stuff. So young people in your 20s, I think Roth is your friend, even if you make high income. There we go. There's some opportunity for you. You know, there's all kind of Roth conversion strategies. There's other things. But even if you have the Roth 401k option, your it doesn't income matter doesn't what matter. Your income is. That's right. You can do it. You can do both a Roth IRA. You can do a Roth 401k. Roth is your best friend. Take advantage of it because it's tax-free growth. You never pay tax when you pull it out. So let's talk about what the, the numbers are. And I like this because this is your spot check. This, this is going to tell you where am I, am I where I need to be. So, Bo, go, go ahead and give it to him. Yeah, so according to the Fidelity Research, by the time you're 30, you should have half of your annual salary saved. So if you make $100,000 a year at 30 years old, you should have $50,000 saved for retirement. If you make $50,000 at 30 years old, you should have $25,000 saved for retirement. 
according to Bankrate from... Uh, now, these are just averages. This isn't what you should sure. have. This is just what the average is. So we know that it should be half salary. According to Bankrate, from ages 20 to 29, you should have about 12... Uh, no, you not you should have. The average 20 to 29-year-old has $11,800 saved. I hope you have more than that. What, what about NerdWallet? They had an article on this as well. NerdWallet said that the average was 11600 and the median was actually right around 4000 uh, and then according to Investopedia, based on their Trans-American Center for Retirement Save, those in their 20s had average savings of approximately $31,000. Now, here's a, here's a tidbit. I have to make sure I put this about the Investopedia article. I think they included not only 401ks, but also IRAs. So that's just what they said your retirement savings would be right. in your 20s was right around $31,000. So that's the only trend I need to make sure I clarify. But the biggest thing is it sounds like the averages are right around $12,000, um, according to, to NerdWallet and Bankrate. The thing that concerns me is I know people are making a lot more money than $23,000, yep. $24,000 a year. So that means right there, my 20-year-olds are falling behind. You're an automatic millionaire if you'll just let your money do the work. So jump to it. Let's go ahead and talk to our 30-year-olds. Guys, 30-year-olds, still a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. You don't have to choke up on that bat too much because there's still a lot of long balls in that bat if you were to swing it. So let's talk about this. I was still surprised to find out. I picked on my 20-year-olds because they are the largest group to cash out their mm -hmm. 401ks. And I imagine a lot of it's because they're changing jobs. But they're young and they don't know better. Surely they're, someone by the 30s, they've got life figured out. They're a little more mature. Now, 30-year-olds weren't the biggest. We'll get, we save that for the 20-year-olds. The but still, 38% of workers who are 30 to 39 years of old, 39 years of age, are still cashing out their 401ks when they change jobs. That's a complete disaster. Because guess what? You probably have worked for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. You have some money actually in the account, and you're still taking it. What are you doing? Buying a car? Putting a pool in the backyard? It's crazy. That's horrible. You're going to hate yourself in the future if you're making bad decisions like that with your retirement account. And remember, these things are structured. They're supposed to be retirement assets. They're supposed to, you're not even supposed to be able to access them at least until you get to 59 and a half or maybe 55. You're not even halfway there. You are taking your uh, runner out of, runners out of the race way too soon. Let me give you one more disappointing stat that came from this Fidelity research. And then we can turn the glass to being half full, so, you know, the optimistic mm -hmm. side of things. The other leaking thing that's going on in retirement plans is that 19.9% of 401k participants have outstanding loans, meaning they're borrowing against themselves. And that might feel better that you're instead of borrowing from a bank, you're borrowing from your own retirement account. But guess what? While you're borrowing that money, you're not getting all that compounding growth of your money working for you. Right. So I think that's a, a bad sign. Now, the good news, if I could find a little glimmer of happiness and hope from this data point is that we're actually down from a peak of 22.4% of 401ks were being borrowed from in 2013. So we're a little under 20%. That's still too much sure. for me though. So, and here's the common reasons for taking loans. And a lot of these are a big can of nope. Here we go. 31% pay down a high interest credit card debt. Remember, this is a, this is a, a repeat from Brian. Credit card debt does not exist. Credit card debt does not exist. If you were running a credit card balance, you're doing it all wrong. Credit cards are paid off monthly. If you can't pay them off monthly, cold turkey. You don't get to have them. I love it. Is that what you were going to say? No, too? I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I, I, I like that you're paying off high interest debt, but you shouldn't have high interest debt. It's, it's, it's bad. Well, 
People who are successful money don't struggle with paying off credit cards. Right. So get yourself out of that bad habit. 24% of home are, are using that money for home or taking loans for home improvements or repairs. Now, okay, so repairs, maybe I could get that because sometimes life happens. But home improvements, if you have to go borrow from your future financially independent self to improve your house, you really should think about, is this an improvement that really needs to be made or might I need to save for this and do it later? Well, if you think that a home improvement's bad, how about 21% just to buy a home or refinance a mortgage? Ooh, yeah, also not ideal. And then 19% just to pay outstanding bills. You know what? I just needed to pay bills. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's probably a surefire sign you're living outside your means. And one of the three pillars of being financially independent is living on less than you make living inside your means. So let's talk about what you're shorting yourself. Let's talk about what your opportunity is for your army of dollar bills and what they could be doing for you if you actually let them work for you. Now, remember for my 20 year olds, I said, oh, what, what happens? What do you have if you save $200 a month? Guess what? You don't get to do that in your thirties. You're past that point. We got to put a little bit more money to work to get it, to get the yep. same reaction. So we're going to start with $500 a month. If you're 30 years of age, and you work until you're 65. Now, you don't get to make exactly what the stock market does because that's what 20-year-olds get to do. They get to do the S&P 500 and probably compound around 10%. By 30-year-olds, you're at 9% because you got to start, you got to eke in a little more that's diversification because right. you're getting a little bit older. So a 30-year-old that's saving until they're 65, earning around 9% a year, $500 is going to turn to one, close to $1.5 million. It's $1,471,000. Um, but they'll just save $500 a month. Uh, and, and again, this assumes no pay raises, no increases in income, no increases in bonus, no additional saving. That to me seems so, so, so incredibly doable. Because if you think about $500 a month, that is only $6,000 a year. And if you take $6,000 a year and you divide that by, what, 20%? That's somebody who makes $30,000 a year. Yeah. That seems very doable. Somebody who's doing $30,000 a year that can save 20% at 30 years old, you're on your way to having a million and a half dollars. So, so let's kick it up a notch. $750 a month, if you're saving that for your future self, is going to turn into $2.2 million Incredible. by the time you're 65. So you're a millionaire mu multiple times mm -hmm. at that point. So let's talk about a 35-year-old, because some of you guys are like, 30? I'm still... You know, I'm still having a good time at 30. I haven't started saving. on Thursday nights. So 35-year-olds that save $500 a month, still earning the same 9% rate of return, they just now only have 30 years for their money to work, it turns into $915,000. So here's what you just saw. It gets a little bit harder to be a millionaire. Yeah. It gets a little bit harder if you wait until 35. Not, not an automatic millionaire anymore. So if you kick it up a notch to $750 a month, you are back to being a millionaire. It's $1,373,000. So a lot of you in your 30s, you're saying, okay, you are starting to make some good money. You're saying, am I Roth? Am I traditional? Mm -hmm. What do I do here? Because remember Roth, you don't get a current year tax deduction. doesn't lower your taxable income, but it does grow completely tax-free. Sure. If you go traditional on your 401k, you get a current year tax deduction, but when you pull that money out at 66, 67, forever, you're going to pay ordinary income right. tax rates on it. So you're trying to figure out. So here's my advice to you. Now realize this is kind of fluid. This is just an opinion. Mm -hmm. You need to talk to your own financial advisor. We don't know your specific age, you know, risk profiles, your goals. So this is not a recommendation. It's just something to ponder sure. and think about. I think if you look at that 24% tax bracket with the federal government, that's a good kind of line in the sand to start looking at. If you're trying to figure out where that is, it starts with married filing jointly. That's around $168,000. Mm -hmm. For single people, it's around $84,000. Okay. 
that's kind of your line in the sand to start thinking about maybe I make enough money where traditional might make sense over Roth just because I like the current tax deduction. But right. it's still a kind of a, a toss-up because yep. that tax-free growth is pretty powerful. It's it, I will tell you, once you cross into the 32% bracket, for married couples, that's around 321000 For single people, it's 160000 Once you're paying 32% just to the federal government and then you add your state income taxes... You're starting to pay close to 40% to the Current government. Current year tax benefit's pretty strong. There's a big benefit because you're hoping when you retire, you, you know, your tax rate might be a little bit lower. So that's just something to consider. So, Bo, give them kind of the benchmark of measuring of where they should be. So for my 30-year-olds out there, by the time you get to 40, you should have twice your annual salary saved up. So again, if you're someone who makes $100,000 a year, you should have $200,000 in retirement That's savings. according to Fidelity. According That's to their Fidelity. Uh, if, you have, if you make $50,000 a year, you ought to have $100,000 saved up for retirement. Looking at the Bankrate article, the average balance for those from age 30 to 39 is $42,400. Uh, for NerdWallet, the average balance was $43,600 or, or a median of sixteen five. dollars And then Investopedia said those age 32 to 37 have saved around $31,600. So you can see if our goal is to have twice our annual income, the averages are probably missing the marks by the They're time we get to 40. Because, I mean, I, I imagine most people out there are earning more than $20,000 a year. So we're doing this wrong. Once again, the average American, even though they have all this opportunity, blowing it. Don't be part of that. So here's the transition point. We're now crossing into something I resemble. The 40s. 40s are for your wounded warriors. Why do I call us in our 40s wounded warriors? Is because in your 20s and 30s, you're invincible. You can take over the world. You think there's nothing you can, can accomplish. 40s, you start realizing, hey, I'm still feeling pretty good, but I'm not going to be here forever, and maybe I'm not going to take over the world. <laughs> I mean, you just you, you kind of start realizing these things. You start thinking about, hey, do the kids, you know, I got, I got the kids that are starting to become teenagers. Do we have college? Yeah. Say, wait, college? What about retirement? Do we have, do we even have retirement for ourselves? Crap. You know, that's, that's kind of, yeah. this is the, the thought process. And then this is also the age. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm, I'm not painting a pretty picture for No, years. you're not. I'm not looking forward this to this. This is when a lot of midlife crises has happened too. I think people who have not made, because what happens in your forties, it's either going to be a celebration for your past successes. Mm-hmm. If you started saving in your twenties and thirties, or it's going to be that wake up call where you go, man, it is now time. It's that, fork in the road moment where I can either get serious and start building for my future or I'm in trouble. It's either a celebration or a realization. So you've got you got to get serious about all the things that are going on because this is do or die time. And then and here's what I think when I was looking at the Fidelity Research study and I put this with the 40-year-olds because I think it probably is the average retirement person, these real realities kind of hit them. Two-thirds of workers from Fidelity's research believe they don't know much know as much about retirement as they think they should. That's easy solution. Go listen to the Money Guy show. Solved. No, problem. I don't Done. think it's the Money Guy family that's struggling with this. No. It's still alarming. Touché. They're the third that, that has it figured out. It's the two-thirds. It's all their friends, relatives, and neighbors yep. that are that two-thirds of workers don't know about as much about retirement as they thought they would. 30% don't know anything about asset allocation. Mm-hmm. 20% admit to not knowing how their retirement money is even invested. Yep. 
target retirement no, say, fund for those easy people. Easy solutions to that. Easy solutions. These I mean, because that accidentally falling into target retirement funds would be much better than just not throwing your hands what's going up because you don't know what to do. Yeah. So let's talk about investment opportunity. Once again, I'm kicking this up. You know, if you if you're listening, I don't. If you're listening to the highlight show, I'd encourage you to go look at the 20s and 30 year olds. Those of you that listen to the long show. Remember, with 20-year-olds, I started with what is $200 invested a month turn into, and it turns you into a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. By the time you're in your 40s, even if you're a 40-year-old investing and working until you're 65 years of age, so that's 25 years of your money working for you, and I drop down the rate of return again. Now you're only making 8% because you are getting a little older, right. so you got to add a little more diversification. It's going to cut the edge off of that return a little bit. So even if you're investing $750 a month, by the time you're 65, if that's where you're starting with, you'll have $713,000 at retirement. I think this is what's so powerful. You at 40 are saving almost four times more than you would have had to when you're 20. And the portfolio that you have at retirement is it's a not third even, yeah, it's not as even big. Half. It's, it's right. a third of it. It's, it's truly amazing. So we got to kick it up a notch to get over a millionaire status. So if we did $1,200 a month, that's right. You're investing five, you know, you're, you're investing, you know, four figures a month mm-hmm. to get to your retirement. If you're doing $1,200 a month, it's $1.1 million by the time you retire. It's actually 100 it's $1,141,000 by the time you're 65. So here's the good news. It's still attainable. That's still doable. It's still possible. You yeah. have not reached the point. So even if you are one of those people, instead of having the celebration, you're having the realization, be excited that you still do have time on your side that you can do something meaningful in terms of building. And look, I know we get comments because people are like, why do you talk about the 20 and 30 year olds? You make me feel so bad mm-hmm. listening to this as a 40 year old who didn't start early. Guys, if you didn't start in your 20s, that was the best time. But you know the second best time is tomorrow. That's right. Get get going because if you think it's bad now, wait until you see how much the numbers would have grown 10 years from now, Mm -hmm. 15 years from now. And remember, here's here's the other thing. When you retire in your 60s, it's not like we all pass away within five years. Right. You're going to probably live to be in your 90s, if not even into your hundreds, you know, becoming 105, 110 yeah, yep. years old. So you're going to need that money to last for 30, 40 years. You're going to still probably have chances for this compounding interest thing to help you out as well. So yep. don't let that point miss you. 45-year-old that's investing $750 for the next 20 years until they're 65 at 8% is going to have $442,000 at retirement. And now you're not even halfway to millionaire status. $1,200 a month gets you to $707,000. See, that's what's great. Just five years from age 40 to 45, just five years, you would save, uh, what's that, f- almost $500 more a month, and you still don't even get to the same place you would have been if you would have just started it. So there's a lot of you who are 45 and go, okay, well, tell me the number then. If I haven't started, what do I got to do to be a millionaire? Because that's kind of the number we all have psychologically in our head. I want to have that whole seven-figure portfolio. Here's the number. It's $1,700 a month. You've got to save $1,700 a month if you waited until you were 45 years old to start saving on a monthly basis. Yep. So you really want to focus your efforts on getting that money to work as fast as possible. If you didn't do it in your 20s, like I said already, get it to work tomorrow because you still have lots of opportunity for it to grow. So Bo, give them the benchmarks. Yeah, so we said that by the time you got to 40, you should have double your annual salary. According to the Fidelity Research, by the time you're 50, you should have four times your annual salary saved up. So if you're someone who makes $100,000 a year, 
you should have $400,000 in retirement assets. Well, the bank rate piece let us know that the average retirement balance for those from 40 to 49 is just over $100,000, about $103,000. So uh, that would be appropriate for folks who only made $25,000 a year. According to NerdWallet, the average is right at $106,000. And then Investopedia said that those from ages 38 to 43, the average account balance or retirement savings balance was about $68,000. And those 44 to 48, it was right about $81,000. So you can see, we got a big disconnect still. Big disconnect. So your friends, I know you guys with the Money Guy family, you're not making this mistake. A lot of people really dropping the ball on their retirement yeah. savings. Let's transition to the 50-year-olds. Guys, when you're in your 50s, you're either a wise field general or a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. I want you to be the wise field general. Because remember, every dollar in your army of dollar bills should have a purpose. You do not be, want to be the relative that people point to and go, man, oh, Uncle Earl, he had all the opportunity in the world, but he just squandered it. Yep. He had a sure, he sure did have a nice car when he was 30, though. Do y'all remember he had that he convertible had that when he was 30? Yep. That thing was beautiful, but man, he's broke. Yep. There are things you can do to not get yourself in that situation. More of your success will be determined by your past discipline and making the right decisions because you do not want to wait until you're 50 years old to wake up and go, what has happened? Because there's no more free lunches right. at this point. It is all on you. This is your time. You still have an opportunity. You have 15 years to get to 65. So how can you put it on your shoulders and pull yourself out of this bad situation? And, and maybe you're someone sitting there. Maybe you have done the right things. You have been making the right decisions. You do uh, have a portfolio starting to do something pretty exciting. 50 is that kind of range where you have to start really thinking about how you are being that field general to your army of dollar bills because now you're getting to the point you don't have the time to recover from a screw-up if you make a misstep. Yeah, so time horizon is becoming more and more important, especially if you're somebody who thinks you want to come out of the workforce at maybe 60, mm -hmm. not 65. So pay attention because there's a lot of research. Fidelity's research shows that baby boomers, this is their quote from the research article, Baby boomers are the most likely generation to be too aggressively invested, potentially putting them at risk so close to retirement. Mm -hmm. I think about like, uh, have you ever, you've run in races before, Brian, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you've ever been in a race, you know, and you actually get out in the front and you I'm start I'm probably leading. the guy you're about to describe. Are you talking about the sprinter, the guy who takes off for the 5K and is at the front of the pack for all of 150 yards? Uh, that, that guy's the wrong guy. And also the guy who's out in the lead and it's his race to lose and he starts showboating. Yeah. He starts doing something he has no business doing, and he trips over his face, and he fall. He trips over his feet and falls on his face. There was no need when he was that close to the finish line to not just finish the drill. Well, that's what we've seen. I've actually, unfortunately, do this long enough, you start seeing not clients of ours, but we've just seen people where successful parents had conquered the financial game. Mm -hmm. Juniors decided he wanted to start a business venture or a real estate venture, got pops and mom involved in it and they've lost it all. Yep. There is a thing called risk capacity. Pay attention to what's going on in your portfolio, especially as you're gliding that airplane into a nice landing to have the financial independence that you're hoping for. Um, so, so definitely, and pay attention to catch-ups. Realize once you hit that magical age of 50, I'm not that far from it now, <laughs> you will get what's called catch-up contributions, both in your IRAs as well as in your 401ks and 403bs. Mm -hmm. For your 401ks, it's $6,000. So if you add that to your 19, you can actually fund $25,000 into your salary deferrals 
pretty powerful it's stuff. Take advantage of it. The government recognizes this is the age where you're probably waking up to being very serious mm-hmm. about your future. So they want to give you some additional jet fuel to get you across the finish line. Yep. So let's talk about investing for 50-year-olds. Assuming Now, this is assuming a 50-year-old that has done no saving before. They just woke up today and go, oh, my goodness. i got to start saving. i got to start saving. Now, once again, they don't get to make what the 20-year-olds are making because once you're in your 50s, you got to – Add a little more asset allocation, a little mm-hmm. diversification. You got to cut the edge off of the volatility because you just yep. don't have as much time to recover. So you might only be making 7% annualized mm-hmm. per year. And so for the next 15 years, so you got from 50 to 65. So a 50 year old that's saving $1,200 a month is going to have $380,000 by retirement. You know what, though? It's, okay, maybe with the $380,000 plus Social Security, maybe yeah. you have a pension. There, you still have something going on there. Yeah. And, 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 and frankly, we've seen clients who have portfolios that size that are in a wonderful position because their living expenses fit into that box and that works. So, But more likely, you're also, you're, you're at some of your peak earning years. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to save $2,500 yep. a month. I know that is a ton of money for my 20-year-olds, but a person who's 50 who's really serious, you are thinking about the scarcity of may, you know how fearful you are. So you're cutting left and right. Yep. If you were saving $2,500 a month, for the next 15 years, you would have $792,000 okay. Getting close retirement. to that million-dollar mark. Um, if you want to know what you would have to do for a million dollars, because I know that's still that magical number, you'd have to save $3,155 a month. Wow. Um, 55-year-old. Maybe, you know, if you started, you got 10 years to save, you're really panicking, still making 7% a year. If you did $1,200 a month, it's going to be worth $208,000 mm-hmm. at retirement. If you put $2,500 a month in, it'd be worth $433,000. If you did that, remember I told you for 50-year-olds to get to millionaire status, you had to do $3,155. For the 55-year-old, just the five-year age difference, that number is only $546,000. So saving the exact same amount at 55 that you would have saved at 50 only gets you halfway as far as it would have five years A little over half. So to save now to get to a millionaire status in that next 10-year mark, you got to save $5,778 a month, close to 6000 bucks a month. We're starting to get to maybe maybe some impossibility I mean, that's, that's close range. to 72 grand a year yeah. that's just just devoting to retirement. Yep. So you better be in a pretty high income situation. Um, this is also the age you, you know, social security is going to become a, a, an important factor especially if you're behind. So go to and they, they don't send that. A lot of people don't realize Government doesn't send you your Social Security statements annually anymore. Mm-hmm. They, you now are required to go to the Social Security Administration's website. That's ssa.gov. Right. Go there. You can give some verification data and then pull your mm-hmm. data points for what you will have in retirement. Now, Social Security mm-hmm. is one of those things, and this is where if you are trying to figure out when to take it, how to take it, make sure that you measure twice, cut once, because you don't want to make that, that decision wrong. A lot of folks think, oh, as soon as I hit 62, I'm going to go grab my Social Security. I'm going to take that benefit. I'm going to get the money as early as possible. That may not be the best decision. If you're still earning income, then you might actually have your benefit reduced. Or if you need a higher lifetime amount to be able to cover, by taking that 62, you may really increase your longevity risk of running out of resources. I I like people, I know 62, you're like, hot dog, I get my free money from the government that I've been paying into my whole life. So it's not really free money. It's prepaid money that you put in not earning much money. That's right. But the truth of the matter is, if you will defer it, till at least full retirement age and then maybe even consider because once you hit full retirement age if you just wait until 70 the government actually 
puts a compounding rate of 8% a year. You heard me say that for, you know, 50-year-olds, you're probably not going to get much better in seven. I can tell you 60-year-olds shouldn't be getting 8%. So the fact that the government compounds from full retirement age of 70 at 8% a year, it's something you ought to look at because if anything, it gives you longevity insurance protection that you might not outlive your money if you can push up that monthly payment that the government's going to pay you. So, Bo, kind of walk us through what is the Fidelity research, what is the bank rate, the nerd wallet, and the Investopedia research say for averages as well as how much you should have in your 50s. So according to the Fidelity Research, by the time you reach 60 years old, you should have six times your salary. This is where it gets a little unique though, because really by the time you get there and you start to see retirement and financial independence on the horizon, it should be customized to your financial situation. Maybe six times your salary works, maybe it needs to be 30 times your living expenses, maybe it needs to be some number less because of pensions and social security. This is where it really needs to start to be custom. You know exactly what your number is. The Bankrate article said that uh, for those from 50 to 59, the average account balance is 174000 NerdWallet let us know that the average balance was about 179000 And then Investopedia said that those between 50 to 55 have saved an average of $125,000. None of those numbers sound to me like it's probably <laughs> six times annual salary. So a lot of people, because once again, America is bad about saving for the future. And that's just something we've known. So let's kind of, I would like to give some quick guidance on what some success indicators are for you. Because you're probably trying to figure out if you haven't hired a financial advisor, you're a do-it-yourselfer. What are some success indicators you can look at your retirement pot of money to know what does this mean for you? So the first one, we've heard this talked about. I want to give a little color to it. A withdrawal rate. Yep. A good one, you know, good simple thing you could do is just a four and a half percent withdrawal rate. Um, it's a good spot check. So if you think about now, look, if you're a 30 year old or 40 year old that's listening to this, you don't just take your four and a half percent. You'd have to take your your if you take the what your money's worth now, grow it mm-hmm. by what you think it's going to make from now until say 65 or yep. 60, whatever your year of, of leaving is. So if you're 30 and you're retiring at 60. Grow it for 30 years, multiply that number by 4.5%. That'll give you a spot check of what it could be worth. Now, that's not going to be adjusted for inflation, but at least gives you a good spot check. Now, if you're a 30-year-old and you're one of those fire folks who thinks you might retire in your 40s or 50s, 4.5% might not be your number. You might need to be 3 3.5% because you have some longevity. The more decades that you're going to live on this money, the lower that withdrawal rate is. So, I mean, we have somebody we're talking to right now. If you're retiring in your 40s, that number probably needs to be around 3.5% because you're going to be living off this money. You don't want some downturn or unforeseen thing coming your way and derailing that because once you take yourself out of the workforce, it's kind of a scary thing. So pay attention to those withdrawal rates. And just because you have a withdrawal rate doesn't mean that when the market's getting its teeth kicked in that you're still hitting the accelerator. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that human nature kicks in, that you kind of trim a little bit off, take your foot off the accelerator in those bad years. So you could take your total portfolio and you can multiply the withdrawal rate. That's one way to figure out your retirement income. Another great way to think about how much you need is what we call a living expense multiple. Yep. Now, here's the thing. When you do this, we want you to take your living expenses, multiply them by 25, and that's a good mm-hmm. kind of baseline. Now, realize, once again, this is assuming you're retiring at like a normal retirement age in your 60s, but reduce that, you know, because a lot of you are going to have a little shock and awe. You're going to multiply that number of living expense by 25 and be like, holy cow, no, I, we're I don't, near. I'm nowhere yeah. near that. Remember, you can reduce that living expense number by what are you going to bring in from Social Security? Mm-hmm. What are you going to bring in from your pensions? 
those things will offset what that living expense need will be is assuming you're taking those into account as well as taxes, it will make it more reasonable. So if you think your living expenses are $5,000 a month and you know that social security is going to be $1,000 a month and you know that your pension's $1,000 a month, you would take the difference $3,000 and multiply that times 25. That would give you an idea of where well, you're you would do $36,000 oh, yeah. times, times 25, 25. Right. Yep. would give you, because that's just your monthly pool of $3,000 a right. month. But it definitely would give you a spot check of knowing what yep. you have. And here's the last one, Millionaire Next Door formula. We like this formula, yep. and Bo made a brilliant adjustment to it that we'll go over as well. But this is simple. You just take your age times your income and divide it by 10. Mm -hmm. That's going to tell you what the average accumulator of wealth factor should be. To be super successful, we want you to be a prodigious accumulator mm -hmm. of wealth. So that's actually going to be two times that number. That's right. Now, all of you, because most people hit millionaire status when they're in their 50s. Yep. So a lot of you go look at that formula and go, this ain't for me because you know, I've got student loan debt and other things. We made a tweak to the formula because we know this formula really is not that good for 20 and 30-year-olds, but we made an adjustment. What's that, Bo? Yeah, so if you're someone who's under 40 years of age, what you would do is you would take your age times your income divided by the number of years until you get to 40 plus 10. Yeah. So again, that's your age times your income divided by 10 plus the number of years until you get 40. So if you're someone who's 31 years old, you would take your 31 years old, multiply it times your income and divide by 19, yeah. 10 plus nine years till 40. So that, that one adjustment will help you. And you can see it's beautiful because as you get closer to 40, that goes back to the millionaire next door sure. formula, but it gives you the age and the time to let your assets start growing yep. for you. So guys, hopefully you can see spot checking and looking at and comparing yourself to see where you are. I would, instead of paying attention to where my peers are and what those averages account balances, those things should make you feel better about mm -hmm. yourself because you're looking at it and going, man, people are way behind. Yep. What you need to be doing is taking those success indicators and making sure that you're going to have the retirement that you planned for. If you're one of those people, you have made great decisions and you're at the celebration point, we want you to consider taking this abundance cycle to the next level. Consider talking to, you know, having, if you get to assets that you need to have somebody look over your shoulder, mm -hmm. make sure you're doing things right. We'd love for you to talk to the family at Abound Wealth right. and the Money Guy. So reach out to us. It's moneyguy.com. You can go to the Contact Us page, aboundwealth.com. We have a Contact Us page. And then don't forget, guys, we have a subscriber count up here with YouTube. We want you to sign up to, by subscribing to our channel. Also, sign up for the notifications. Click that bell to let us know you're happy. And then don't forget to go to moneyguy.com. Give us your email address and zip code so we can get deliverables out to you as well as let you know when we're going to be in your neck of the woods because hopefully we're going to take this on yep. the road in the next 18 months or so. Anything else I left off? No, nope, I think you nailed it. This is awesome. And uh, and you guys, where you just so value you allowing us to come here and share this information with. If you have something you want us to talk about or something you want to tell us about or something you want to get our take on, go out to the website, moneyguy.com. You can ask us a question right there. That's where we get these topics from. And by the way, we do a live stream every other Tuesday, and you're going to notice a lot of those Q&As are going to start showing up on YouTube That's as right. well. So get your questions in there. Come join us. It's a lot of fun. You also get to see behind the scenes and see what complete goofballs we are. So I'm your host, Brian Preston, Mr. Bo Hansen. We'll be back soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. 
A bound wealth management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.